Chapter Twenty Six of the Real Oscar Wilde by Robert Sherard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For a refuge and an abode, Wilde could have chosen no better place than where, after his downfall, he ended his days. Paris is of cities the most clement. Paris has the shortest of memories for men's misdeeds. She judges by the present, not by the past and religiously observes the law of prescription in england if a man has once fallen he is not to rise again there is no amnesty on our side of the channel it is a fact that all the insults that were put upon wilde during his life in paris were inflicted by his fellow-countrymen from the french he never suffered even a slight except possibly as agents for english people as when a maitre d'hotel begs him to leave a café because de clients très sérieux object to his presence there and even then the enjoinder is delivered with apologies and an appeal to the comprehension of the exigencies of business it is an englishman who refuses to occupy the same chair at a hairdresser's which wilde has just vacated and blusters out his objection and his reason for it so that all the shop may hear it is a party of anglo-saxons who in loud voices ask madame de bremont to point out to them oscar wilde who was present in some place of entertainment quote, as they were curious to see what sort of a monster he really was unquote. madame de bremont by the way may be quoted here to give a picture of wilde as he was in that last year of his life Quote, he was greatly changed had grown very stout and the rich waves of hair had given place to a close-cut coiffure that seemed to accentuate the coarseness of his face a small white hat added to the grotesque outline of his once beautiful head he was clad in a suit of grey tweed the short coat increasing the heavy lines of his figure and giving an impression of overweight to the upper part of his body every vestige of the dandy had disappeared his eyes were heavy and the pallor of the skin added to the look of ill health despite his robust figure Unquote. i cannot say that i ever saw him like that i met him at times in paris after his return from naples he was no longer as friendly as he had been formerly for he seemed to bear some sort of resentment against me because i had blamed him for going to naples which i considered an impolitic act of public defiance but that he was embittered one could not but see there was the continual irritation of impecuniosity for in despite of the fixed income and douglas's boundless charities there were many occasions on which as he told gide one night at a cafe he was absolument sans ressource Monsieur de poirier told me that he found wilde once sans domicile with his baggage held in pawn at the hotel marsolier and advanced the money to release it while offering wilde the hospitality of his roof he writes to stuart merrill for a small loan to enable him to finish the week douglas states that he composed many ingenious begging letters but gives no proof of the assertion nor has ever any such letter come to light such a condition 
combined with that paralysis of the brain which was so horrid not of me but to me and prevented him from earning money was enough to embitter him i think that the only occasion on which he ever spoke with real irritation to me was in paris shortly after his brother's death i had condoled with him and i had added i hope something will come to you from his affairs i use the word affairs in the french sense and referred to the small entailed estate which willie wilde had held and which i supposed had reverted to his brother on his death he snapped at the word affairs what do you mean by affairs he asked quite angrily and though i could see that he was offended i could not for the world imagine why on another occasion i was in the calasea cafe and looking round saw wilde seated some way off at a table with smithers by his side the picture was not a pleasing one there was absinthe in front of the two men but what was more disturbing was the attitude and expression of smithers he was proposing something to wilde which wilde did not seem inclined to favour and the picture was a very sordid one of temptation i knew the kind of proposals that smithers used to make to needy artists and i suppose my face expressed some anxiety and some distress smithers noticed me looking at them and whispered something to wilde and then they both jumped up and moved to seats outside the cafe on the boulevard at my last meeting with him however wilde was his old self not long after ernest dowson's death i was in paris and i went to the hotel d'alsace because i thought wilde would like to hear about it as he had always had a regard and high esteem for ernest dowson i also remembered how on a previous occasion he had written to me to blame me for not going to see him i am glad you are so busy he wrote but sorry that you are too busy to come and see me it was the injustice of a peeved soul it pleased me to see with what deference i was received at the hotel d'alsace as a caller on monsieur melmoth access to the great man was however not a matter of course i will send up and see if monsieur melmoth receives said the landlord and a waiter was dispatched when the man returned and with a thousand regrets informed me that monsieur was très fatigué far too tired to receive anybody i wrote a message on a card and sent it up i was then asked to monter when i reached oscar's door i found him waiting for me he caught hold of my two hands and drew me into his room i really am too tired to speak to anybody today," he said but i don't like to send you away the room was a small and gloomy bedroom which opened out however onto a larger chamber where there was the sun oscar was in a dressing-gown and reminded me of himself seventeen years previously at the hotel du quai voltaire here again the table was littered with papers the bowl containing cigarette-ends and ashes was not wanting some books were heaped up in disorder in a corner on the mantelpiece was a pile of letters i hope you weren't offended he said because i had first refused to see you i am never any good in the mornings i wasn't offended at all i said 
monsieur chamfleury either receives or does not receive this reference to a famous french Louvre de rideau brought us at once to literary matters i see you have here the emo et camé i said picking up a book and there i added pointing to a bottle of perno absinthe that stood on the wash-hand stand is the pierian spring that inspired them the pernodian spring you mean he said with a laugh but you are quite wrong for it was de musset who used absinthe and these exquisite poems are by theophile gautier it came as quick as lightning this correction of my mistake for indeed at the moment i had thought of alfred de musset as the author of the poems absinthe and poetry brought me to ernest dowson but wilde did not seem to care to hear about him it is all so sad he said ernest was an enfant voué au noir then he added much of what he has written will remain you are working too i see i said pointing to the litter on his table he answered one has to do something i have no taste for it now it is a penance to me but as was said of torture it always helps one to pass an hour or two i then said if you never wrote another line oscar you have done enough to ensure your immortality and when i said that i knew nothing about de profundis he seemed really pleased and brightened but then his face went all grey again and i saw him glance towards the stimulant and i was reminded of poor alphonse daudet in the moments just before the morphine syringe was produced and the injection taken he went and threw himself on the bed exhausted it seemed and i rose come and see me again he said though i hardly like to ask people to see me in this room he was referring to the poverty of our surroundings why i had never noticed it i said what does the mise en scene matter qu'un pauvre le vert pour vous connaît l'ivresse he said you have become reconciled to sully prudhomme then i said i think now that the word ivresse was the last word that i heard oscar wilde say i said abiento as i left the room but did not hear any answer i felt sad as i went downstairs in the gloomy and malodorous staircase with the maculated paper hanging from the wall and through a dirty glazed door into the bureau i had expected to find the landlord here and wanted to ask him about my friend but the office was empty in the passage outside was a rack where the keys and the candlesticks of the lodgers were placed and near this was pasted against the wall those rules of the establishment which one sees in all parisian hotels of this class all rents are payable in advance in default of payment a locataire may be immediately sent away oscar wilde would see these sordid regulations every time that he lighted his dim candle on his lumbering ascent to the dingy room where i left him but familiar myself with all the phases of the life of which this was the usual mise en scene 
i fancy my sadness must have proceeded from an instinctive feeling that i was to see my friend's face no more such an idea did not present itself to me at the time and as i walked away up the rue des beaux-arts and was a frequent pastime endeavouring to analyse my feelings i determined that i was sad because i reproached myself for the flippancy of our interview we had bantered and chaffed when perhaps but after all had we not done well to hasten to laughter so as not to be forced to weep on my way home i passed the hotel voltaire and looked up at the first floor windows the windows of the suite which oscar wilde had occupied in those radiant days seventeen years previously in the days when we used to dine with the duchess and i was told to bring rhymes from passy far away at the end of the quay i caught sight of the statue of voltaire who seemed to be looking at me with a sardonic grin the same grin with which day by day and night by night he would watch poor oscar's exits and his entrances there was some comfort in the wicked old man's cynicism and i turned away hoping that my friend might find it also it was a grin which ridiculed all illusions all sentimentality all beliefs and all hopes which taught that the only true philosophy is to live as he arouet lived trusting no one expecting nothing from god or man and taking out of life all that one could get by fair means or foul a philosophy which conducted the sage of ferney along comfortable and opulent lines to an extreme old age during the short time that i remained in paris on that occasion i took the opportunity of asking people who were likely to be informed about wilde i certainly did not gather that he had acquired a bad reputation i heard from henri bauer that he had been for a long time under close police surveillance and that the police had stated that on any relapse on his part he would be immediately expelled from france par ordre administratif which gives the person to whom it is addressed just twenty-four hours in which to leave the territory of the republic and vouchsafes no reason for the injunction as wilde was living peacefully in his hotel where he was evidently liked and respected by the landlord and servants who would daily come into contact with the emissaries of the prefecture for a detective calls every day of the year at every hotel and lodging-house in paris i gathered that there was nothing whatever in his conduct to call for blame or to excite suspicion at certain cafes i was told that monsieur melmoth le grand écrivain was a frequent even regular client a fact of which the waiters and gérants seemed proud rather than otherwise amongst literary people there was a decided feeling of sympathy towards him only everybody wondered why he chose to live at such a bad address and why on earth he did not make use of his talents one great writer since dead quoted balzac to me and said il passait sa vie à ses palais at an important newspaper office i was told that he had been invited to collaborate regularly a weekly chronique at three hundred francs the article i left paris fairly reassured about him and was able emphatically to contradict in london many slanders that were current about his life in paris 
i told people that he was as strong as ever and that they might be prepared to see him in a new phase a reincarnation he is only gathering fresh strength i said i did expect that something would come from his pen that would set the whole world speaking again of him as oscar wilde c three three being forever forgotten that was indeed to be but alas years after his death the news of which came to me as a shock and a surprise some months later the ivresse of living was over and done the locataire had received his congé not in default of payment but for having paid too much end of chapter twenty six end of the real oscar wilde by robert sherard